Amen. <clears throat> Have you built your life around the Lord as a sure foundation? That's a confidence that you can have when things go wrong. You know, like, I, I, I trust in the Lord. I believe in the Lord. He's going to get me through. He's going to see me through whatever tragedy, whatever circumstance I'm facing. Amen? That, that, that's how you can walk around with confidence and keep your head up high no matter what's happening around you. He has built a sure foundation in your heart. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Let, let's just pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together to recognize and remember that no matter what we're facing, that you are Lord of our life that we're trusting and depending upon you for all the things that you have promised to us will come to pass. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And while we're praying, Father, I just ask you to just minister through me to your people. These are your people, Lord God, the sheep of your pasture. And I thank you that your word will go forth with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so for today, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit can change our lives, make it completely different than what we were before we got saved. Now, how many of you want to change your lives? How many of you want your lives to be conformed to the image of Christ? Well, you have to have a want to. You know, you can't just say, okay, Lord, just change me. No, you have to put some effort into it, amen, to make things happen. And as you dedicate yourself to the Lord, I know as soon as I got saved, I started reading the Bible, looking to see what am I supposed to do, how am I supposed to act, and I just asked the Lord, Lord, put that in my heart so that I can be able to do it. Put your word on the inside of me because the Spirit follows the word. When you confess the word of God over whatever situation you're facing, if you need more love in your life, you, you study the word of, uh, concerning love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love endures long and is, and is patient and kind. I started saying that I am patient. I am kind. God's love in me. I thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in my life. As you keep doing that, the Spirit comes and actually takes hold of you and accomplishes what you're saying in your heart. Amen? Amen. Pray. So I've seen the Lord work. I've seen the Holy Spirit change the situations. Even in the beginning, in Genesis, what did the Bible say? Let's read it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And guess what? The Holy Spirit jumped in there, jumped into the chaos, jumped into the confusion, made some order, made some things happen. And now we have this earth as it is today, although the devil has kind of corrupted it. But this is what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll come into your situation, though it be a mess, though it may be a lot of confusion and disarray and havoc and madness and turmoil. Can anybody get a witness on that? God said, I will bring it to pass where I will bring an order. I will bring harmony. I'll bring peace. I'll settle things and make things happen in your life like they're supposed to be. Amen? You can be wandering around and wondering, like, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to act? Holy Spirit says, just take my hand, and I'll, I'll lead you through. I'll guide you through it. And if the Holy Spirit can't do it by himself, guess what? He brings other people along to help you. For instance, I said, for instance, <laughs> we, we at the church here, we do a lot of activities, and, and we have a lot of props, we have a lot of equipment, and when we're done, we usually we just throw it in a closet, amen? Can anybody understand how that works, even at home? You got junk drawers, yeah, you, you got junk rooms, some people have junk closets, you know, they say, what should we do with it? I'll oh, just put it, put it in the garage, you know, it, and after a while, you look and go, holy moly, what kind of, 
who, who, who lives here? How'd that happen? So anyway, Brother Richard Espinoza, he had some time off of work, so he volunteered himself to come down and help us and, you know, straighten things out. I didn't know what gift or talent he had, but so we were chopping uh, the trees, you know, trimming the trees and taking care of the, the plants and everything. And I asked Richard, I go, Richard, could you go in the closet and get something for me? He said, sure. So he went in there and got something in the closet. And he was taking a long time, and I'm going like, man, where did Richard go? What happened to him? <laughs> so I went in there, and he had straightened out the whole closet. The thing, I mean, it was a mess. There was stuff on the floor, stuff thrown all around. I went in there, and everything was all orderly, tidy, on the shelves. You could see the floor. I go, how, how did you do that? He said, it's a gift, Pastor Chuck. It's just a gift. I said, could you take that gift upstairs because we got four more rooms that we can work on. Amen? So he, he, he completed that. And so, uh, and I watched him. He, he didn't have to sweat. He didn't have to, you know, fret. Just put this one here, stack this up here, tuck this in over here, and the Holy Spirit will do that for your life. Things that you couldn't do, God will say, I'll put some order to it. Amen? Now, the, now Jesus seemed pretty excited about the Holy Spirit coming and being with the apostles. You know, he didn't say, you know what, I'm going to be going away. God help us. I don't know what's going to happen to you guys. You know, you're just a bunch of bumbling you know, apostles, you don't know what to do. You're, where's your faith? How is it that you have no faith? Uh, you ask all these questions. I don't know. But I'm leaving the plan of salvation to you 12 men, and you got to take it, you know, to the world. He didn't say that, did he? He said, the Holy Spirit will come, and he'll teach you the things that I have taught you. He'll show you what you need to do. And the Holy Spirit is still working in our lives. And, and we don't know how he does it. It's amazing how he can just kind of in, in, insert himself into our thinking. It's kind of like, you know, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Mary, you'll have a child. He will be the son of the Most High, and of his kingdom there shall never be an end. And Mary said, how can this be since I know not a man? And the angel said, I don't know. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. He'll do it, and he'll take care of it, and he'll know how to make it work. Amen? That's what you're saying, isn't it, sometimes? I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know how, my, how I'm going to get to my final destination, but God is working in you to do those kinds of things. So in John 14, verse 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Isn't that nice? So in 50 days, the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles. And Peter gets up, and he preaches and 3,000 people get saved. Now, if it was me, and maybe somebody in the crowd would be saying, why is Peter preaching? He, he doesn't deserve to preach. He just denied the Lord three times. Well, why are we listening to him anyway? Isn't there somebody else that should be preaching? Shouldn't he be in some kind of minister's rehab, you know, from depression? Like, I, I, I denied the Lord once, and I said I'd never do it again, and then it just happened again. I just I don't know why it happened, and, and then I said I'll never do it, and then I happened again the third time. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Lord, I'm never going to do this again. I, I promise, Lord, that was the last time. It's never going to happen again. That curse word I said, I'll never say it again, okay? <laughs> Whoop, how did that come out? <laughs> so he was preaching, and, uh, but why, why, did he, why, did he, why was he able to preach? Because of, he didn't acknowledge his failures. 
He didn't look back at his failures. He looked at what God wanted to do and minister to the people. That's what we have to do. You can't look, oh, I'm disqualified. I'm no good. I, I, I sinned. I made a mistake. You know, one, one brother asked me, I, I, I sinned, and is that going to uh, hinder me from getting my blessing? No, did you, if you repented, it's like you never had done it. And just continue on. God wants to use you. Praise God. So he stood up, and he preached. And he didn't say, you know, uh, I'm the guy that, uh, betrayed the Lord three times. I'm so sorry. You know, I've, I've had a, huff, a tough life. I made some mistakes. No, he just preached the word of God. Amen. That's what you have to do. So that's what he did, and that's what we have to do. Now, I want to show you that the difference with the Holy Spirit is that Peter was not the same after the Holy Spirit came. Amen. Amen. Now, remember, he was in the garden, and he uh, cut off Macchaeus's ear, and he tried to defend Jesus, and he also denied the Lord three times. But now, the same people that came to him and told him, you got to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. you got to knock that off. We're going we're gonna to beat you. We're going to put you in prison. We're going to torture you. You can't preach in that name anymore. So what did Peter say this time? Let's look at it. Acts 4, 19. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to, than to God, you judge. <laughs> He said, I'm just doing what the Lord told me to do. I'm doing what I heard and what I've seen. And so if you think that's wrong, take it up with God. That's all of a sudden some boldness came upon him. Let's look at it in Acts 4.13. Because these same people that saw Peter cower down, now they said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and said, they have been with Jesus. Well, they've been with Jesus for three and a half years. What's the difference this time? The Holy Spirit took control over him and gave him boldness. And that's what the Apostle Paul prayed, and I've prayed that before many times, that utterance would be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. You have to be bold. You have to stand up and say some things. Amen? Have you ever been witnessing to a friend or a coworker or a neighbor, and all of a sudden something rises up on the inside of you, and it's so profound, you say, like, where did that come from? That's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you rising up to do those things. So we had a homegoing service for Marianne's uh, aunt this last week, and so uh, we had a lot of family members that didn't know the Lord, a lot of uh, you know, sons and daughters and uh, extended family. And I told her, Mary, I need your help. You're the matriarch of the family. Everybody listens to you. Whatever you do, they follow. I need you to get up and confess your faith and confess the fact that you've accepted Jesus in your heart. She said, well, I don't like to get up in front of people. <laughs> you know, they say there's two things that people are really afraid of. One is dying. The other one is speaking at a funeral. <laughs> so uh, she wasn't dying. She just had to speak at the funeral. She'd rather be not here. But anyway, I said, Mary, we need you to do it. So Charles gave her a little outline what to say. And so I came and I asked her questions. And she was so bold. She was so, I was so proud of her. She said, yes, my sister, she accepted the Lord. And my life wasn't going very good when I was 26 years old. So I said, if it was good enough for her, she'd be good enough for me. So I accepted the Lord. And I admired my sister's uh, faith in Christ all the way to the end of her life. And I said, praise the Lord, Mary. And she sat down. Now, what I didn't know, that was only the third time in her life. She's 89 years old. Only the third time in her life she ever got on a microphone and spoke to a bunch of people. 
Amen? Once was when she graduated uh, an extended high school thing, and then the second time was when she retired. She said some things, and this was the third time. Amen? It's not too late to be bold in the Lord. Amen? Just speak what the Lord has done in your heart and watch God work. Praise God. So in Luke 18, 28, this is Peter. Let's, let's look at how Peter changed. When Jesus, in Luke 18, 28, when Jesus was talking to the disciples about the kingdom of God and riches, Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed you, Lord. In other words, he's saying, what's our reward? We, we have, you know, when we get to heaven or, or even here on earth, what do we get? What do we get? But now, look at when he writes in the epistles, in 1 Peter 5 and 6, it says, Humble yourself. Huh. Therefore, under, the mighty, under God's mighty hand, and he may lift you up in due time. In other words, you don't have to you know, propel yourself out. Humble yourself. Let the Lord lift you up. He, he will lift you up in due time. Cast all your care, all your anxiety on him, and he will care for you. Does that sound like Peter? Does that sound like the robust Peter that we knew that would always speak out and say things that he shouldn't say? And now look at this. It goes on. If you read about Peter in the, in the uh, epistles, you go, is this the same guy? Look what he says here in 1 Peter 3.8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Compassion? Peter? Compassion? The burly old fisherman? Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Are you tenderhearted? What does that mean? That means soft towards people. Tenderhearted. Be courteous. Excuse me. <laughs> Not rendering evil for evil or reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. One more Peter scripture, ready in 1 Peter 2, 20, 21. Now, if Peter can change, guess what? Here you go. Verse 20 says, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. He says that's what we were called to do. Christ was our example. I don't remember when they did the altar call where they say, okay, how many of you want to accept the Lord? Oh, by the way, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to suffer. You're going to have some, you know, bad you know, people coming against you. I, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't accept that call. Did you? But Peter's saying it's going to happen. It's going to happen to us. So how do we do that? How do we let the Spirit of the Lord take control over us? Well, we're going to have uh, Rosie come up and read to us a scripture that will help us do that. God. Today's scripture reading is found in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So that's how we do it. It's the Spirit of the Lord that takes hold of us. As we see the glory of the Lord, as we allow His Spirit to come upon us, we change. We change in the twinkling of an eye, amen? 
Now, sometimes it's not as quick as we want it to be. How many of you know that? Sometimes it takes months, years, decades, you know. Sometimes you say, oh, it's been 10 years. I never knew I was supposed to do that. Praise God. <laughs> so let's look at the Apostle Paul, what he says in Ephesians 5. He says, therefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is dissipation or excess or uh, craziness, but be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says be filled, continually be filled, continually over and over, kind of like when you get your gas. You don't just fill up one time. You have to keep coming back and get filled. You have to keep coming back and be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I was telling some people, I had to learn, we have to learn how to receive the Spirit of the Lord. You know, it's like kind of getting on a frequency, you ever, you ever been in your car and you're listening to the radio and you got a certain station on, you want to go in the house and try to get that same station and you can't find it? It's like, why can't I get that frequency? So what do you, you take the radio into your car and then you try to line it up. That's the same thing with the Lord. There's a frequency that we have to line ourselves up with to receive the Spirit of the Lord. And I can remember when I first got saved, the pastor would be saying, oh, the Spirit of the Lord is here. And I go, where? I, what? I don't see nothing. I don't, what? 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 He said, just receive it. I go, I'm re- I... you, it takes time, you know, to, to hook into that frequency. But when you do, you can see some great things or you can hear some great things what the Lord is trying to teach us. Amen. Praise God. Now, I, I want to, we're going to get into the fruit of the Spirit real quick in a minute. But have you ever been to your high school reunion? Anybody go to their high school reunion? If you were saved and you went to your high school reunion, what's the one thing that you notice? You can notice the difference between the Christians and the non-Christians. The Christians have a little light in their eye, a little hope in their heart. Their speech is positive. They're encouraged. They have, they're believing for the future. The non-Christians are the same as they were in high school, complaining about this, complaining about that. I don't know why they chose this hotel. They should have gone to that other hotel. This is too expensive. I don't even like the food here. And all you can say is, good to see you again, Paul. (laughs) You haven't changed a bit. (laughs) But when I went, some of the guys said, you know, we noticed a change in you. You're more stable. You're more secure. You're more, you know, you have an anchor to your soul right now. And that's what you should know, that people that see you, who haven't seen you before you got saved, now that they see you, they go like, there's a change in you. Have, have people told you that? You're not the same person. Where is that person that we used to hang out with? You're not th- that person anymore. Praise God. So you should be changing day by day from glory to glory as we see the image of Christ. So now let's look at this, fruit of the Spirit. We're going to go through this, and then we're going to pray and have communion. But in Galatians 5, through 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Does that describe you? <laughs> what a gentle person you are. You're so kind. You're so good. You have so much self-control. I can remember when my son was younger, and I got mad at him for something. I picked him up, and I said, can't you control yourself? And the Lord quickly told me, can't you control yourself? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, okay, Lord, let's, let's, let's move on from that, okay? <laughs> 
But the fruit of the Spirit it is, you don't produce the fruit. The fruit just comes from the Spirit. It's not by works. You can't say, I'm going to love, I'm going to love, I'm going to love. No, love comes from the Lord. Amen. As you meditate in the first Corinthians 13, love endures long and is patient and kind. You put that in your heart, you put that in your spirit, and it produces, you know, that love. But people, we use love all kinds of different ways, don't we? People say, I love my car. I love having coffee in the morning. I love my house. I love Sally's tamales. Amen. <laughs> And, and, and when they say it, you know, it's like, like the, the, the breath was taken away. I just love their tamales. I just love Marie Callender's pumpkin pie with the whipped cream on it. <laughs> you know, when I go, when I go to a, a restaurant, I'll ask the, wait, the waitress, well, how's this dish? And if they go, like, how's the apple pie? It's good. I don't want to get that one. But if I ask, how's the apple Oh, it's so good. Okay, I'll take that one right there. <laughs> But these are inanimate objects. They can't love you back. We're supposed to love who? What? People. But what, when you mention somebody's name, no, I just can't stand that person. No. So-and-so rubs me the wrong way. I'm not just, I'm not fond, I'm just not fond of them. Are you kidding me? We're supposed to love with God's love. These are God's creatures that he has made, and we're supposed to know that we are disciples because of our love towards him. Praise God. So it is more than just a feeling. Love's not a feeling. It's a decision. You know, some men say to the wives, I'm not in love with you anymore. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> love is not a feeling. It's, it's not like I feel love. It's a decision you made at the altar. I give my life to you. To death do us part. <laughs> Amen. And that's what you're supposed to do. So love is a decision to love despite how you feel. It's to love un, the unloving people, the undeserving people. It is loving people that you don't like because of Christ who saved you. Have you ever done something for somebody that didn't deserve it? It's a, it's a funny feeling. You know, it's like, I'm doing this. I don't really want to do it, but I'm doing it because, God, you want me to do it, to change that person's heart. And it's a wonderful feeling. As you're doing it, you're going like, I know I'm doing this because the Spirit of the Lord is working on the inside of me. Amen? So that's what you have to do. Now, joy. Joy is higher than a thrilling moment or a wonderful set of circumstances. It's a, it's a state of mind, a state of heart, knowing that you know the Lord. It's not based on the circumstances that you're facing. That's why Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, what did they do? They sang praises to God. Amen? Giving thanks unto him. How could you do that in prison? Well, we're not in prison, so we should at least be able to do that. But it's a joy that comes from uh, the Lord. And you know what? You can't have a sad Holy Ghost. Amen? You can't. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm just getting by. Praise the Lord. God is good. Pray for me, brother. Pray for me. No. You can't have a sad Holy Ghost. The Bible says the anointing is the oil of gladness. Isn't that right? Oil of glad, you should be glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, I want to tell you, I had, I had a kind of a rough childhood, probably not by your standards, but every summer we had to go to New York. My, my, father, <laughs> my father worked for the airlines, so we got free passes, and all their family was back there. Now, the problem was that every uh, year we have baseball season, 
And I would miss like three, three to four games because we had to go back east. And so that was not the only bad part. The bad part was in those days, children were seen and not heard. Do you remember those days? You know, you, there was no ADD. You know, you sat on the couch and you behaved and that's the way it is, okay? No running around, no playing with the furniture or the, you know, the things that the people had on their, on their, on their desks or anything. You sat there, you behaved, and my mom used to say, don't ask for nothing, don't ask for Coke, don't ask for a sandwich, don't, you just sit there and be quiet. Yes, mom. <laughs> Me and my sister just sat there like two little children because she wanted the, the, the family to know that, that, they, that she loved us and she took good care of us. And so if we didn't do that, she'd, she'd beat us up. No. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but all she had to do was look at you. you she gave you that look like, you better, uh-uh. And then she had this term. I don't know if you guys ever had this term. Ah, ah. When you go to reach for something, ah. Oh, okay. So we sat there, and after three or four days, I, it was prison. I mean, this is, this is torture. So finally they told me, you know, your Uncle Happy's going to come tonight. I go, praise the Lord, Uncle Happy. That sounds good. We're, we're going to have some happiness in here, okay? I didn't know what. I don't know if he's going to tell jokes, if you know if he's going to talk to us, maybe he has some tricks. We didn't know. And so uh, God is my witness. Uncle Happy comes in. And uh, not yet, but this guy looked like Buster Keaton. Anybody remember Buster Keaton? Let me see your hand. Anybody remember Buster Keaton? Yes. He, he was stone-faced. I mean, he, he had no expression. And, and here's, here's Buster Keaton, in case those of you haven't seen him. There, there's Buster Keaton. That looks like Uncle Happy. And my mouth dropped. I go, this is Uncle Happy? This is what I'm looking forward to, Uncle Happy? And so I asked my mom after a while, I go, why do they call him Uncle Happy? Because he's, because he's not happy, and that's why we call him Uncle Happy. So you don't want to look like Uncle Happy, do you? No. So you put a smile on your face, you put joy in your heart, and let the joy of the Lord be your strength, Amen. Okay. okay, now, um, then, now the next thing is we have to have peace, peace that passes all understanding. It comes from him because he is the prince of peace. And I want to tell you uh, that we went on, my wife and I went on a trip uh, for three days. We went to Indio, beautiful Indio, beautiful, cool, 115 degree. But they told us we we're going to be in the presidential suite. Well, that's praise, praise the Lord for that, right? So... There was three couples, and we went, all went there, and we never went out of the house. You know, we, we couldn't even go swimming. It was so hot. So one guy says, you know, let's go to Salton Sea and check, check that out. <laughs> Anybody know Salton Sea? Yeah. Now, in the 50s, it was a beautiful place to go. It was like a recreational, you know, Shangri-La. There was boating, there was camping, there was fishing, there was water skiing. Everything was going on, right? Let, let's see what it looks like. That, doesn't that look good? Praise the Lord. I said, well, let's, he said, let's go see how it looks now. I go, okay. So we go there, and I don't know, my friend said, did an atomic bomb hit this place? What, what, 
what happened was the salt took over the lake or the sea and dried everything up. The fish dried up, the vegetation dried up, the house, it was abandoned. The, the houses that were there, when they collapsed, they just left them there. They didn't even try to pick them up. It was like, what in the world is this? Let's, let's look at it and see what it looks like. There it is. Let's do the contrast. Let's see the, the way it was. Aha! Uh -huh. And the way it is now. Oh, my gosh. So, we, believe it or not, there was a visitor center there. Why? I do not know. They showed all the animals that used to live there. I go, this is a museum, isn't it? Huh? And so I saw this guy. He was dressed in a ranger outfit, forest ranger outfit, looking real good, young guy. And so he was talking to us about it. And in my mind, I didn't say it, but in my mind I'm thinking, how in the world did you get this job? How in the world did you find yourself in this place, on this God-forsaken assignment. That was me. That was my, what I was thinking. But my friend, who is more tactful than I am, saying the same kind of thing, but in a different way, he said, uh, so do you live around here? <laughs> in other words, is this your life? I mean, what, what's the story here? I didn't bother listening. I just went on, okay, whatever. But there's a way of speaking. You can have peace in, where, in the way you speak. Amen? So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, okay. So the Holy Ghost, what does the Holy Ghost do? It removes abrasive qualities from your character. It's heavenly sandpaper. You ever say things that you, you know, wish you were taken back or it hits people the wrong way? You say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that, right? Well, at our house, we're Italian, so we, we're pretty effervescent. You know, we're pretty, you know, expressive with our thoughts. And so I said, you know what? Uh, let's, let's get a little level monitor here. You got voice number one, voice number two, and voice number three, okay? Voice number one is the real sweet voice. Hello, uh, <laughs> darling, could you get me so-and-so? I would appreciate it. Oh, of course, honey. No problem. I'll get it right now. That's voice number one. That's the easy one. Voice number two, the octave goes up a little bit. It's a little more, you know, demonstrative has a little more direction to it, and yay, someone might say, a little bossy, okay? Now, we got to do this. You know, there's time for, somebody's got to go to the market. I mean, somebody's got to do something. This, this, we have to take care of this. And I would say, can we go back to voice number one? Can we just like, whoosh, good idea. Now, voice number three, well, that's a whole different, that's off the chart. <laughs> voice number three is like more octave. Hey, what's going on here? What were you thinking? Come on. How could you do something like that? I don't know. I can't believe you did it. That is voice number three. We don't like voice number three. So let's go down to, to voice number one. This will help you, okay? It'll change your abrasive quality that you have in your voice. Because sometimes people get offended. You don't even know why they get offended. Okay. So I asked my wife if I could say that because she said it might help people, you know. I know you all seem holy right here and everything, but there's a place where you, you know, you're in the active duty, and it's like being in the army. Okay. Yeah, I know, I know. I, my son said I get voice number three as well. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. Praise God. Okay, so the third thing, or fourth thing, is long-suffering. 
Now, this is not a time period, but an attitude and a quality which enables a person to bear up under insult, injury, reproach, inconvenience, stupidity, and slowness of others and still be at peace. The Bible says your patience, through your patience, you will possess your souls. So I've, ha I've had to learn this as well, to not be so anxious, not to be so, uh, you, know, you know, wanting to get things done in, in a quick manner. So we have to have our patience. Now, I want to go to this kindness. Kindness is the way that you approach people. Are you kind? Are you gentle? Do you let people go through and, and, and do those things? Oh, for long-suffering, for being patient. I, I keep remembering the story of a pastor friend of mine, Pastor James O'Neill. Wonderful man, very pleasant guy. He came to the church, and I said, Brother, you got a new car. He goes, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. Man, you won't believe this. I was, me and the family went to Orlando, Florida. And it, it, it was the beginning of this uh, uh, amusement park that they were opening up. And so everybody was rushing in to get in there, and there was this old man that was trying to get in, and he had a walker. So I told him, go, go ahead, sir, go, go ahead, go right ahead. And so he went ahead and went through the turnstile, and so then the pastor went through the turnstile, and as he went by, all of a sudden, bells and whistles and lights and confetti went off. He goes, what happened? What, did, what happened? He goes, sir, you're the one millionth customer that's come in to this amusement park. You have just won a new car. I said, whoa. Now, I'm not telling you that you're always going to win a new car if you let the old man go, go through. But God is watching you, and he can reward you through your long-suffering patience. Amen? And then so the, the fifth thing is kindness. Let your speech be always seasoned with salt. Know how to speak kindly to people, right? Then we have goodness. Goodness in action. It's not just your intention, but it's your action. Well, should we do it? You know, we should do something about that. Yeah, who's going to do it? Oh, I don't know. Have you ever heard the story of whose job is it anyway? Huh? Let me read it to you. There was a person in need. And everybody thought that somebody should help this person. Anybody could have done it, but everybody thought somebody else would do it. So nobody did anything, and everybody wondered why nobody didn't do anything. So everybody blamed somebody else when nobody did what anybody else could do. Amen? <laughs> we, you know, people come up to me and go, Pastor, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do that. Okay, go ahead, you be in charge. You, you, you do it. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll make you in charge. You do it. Oh, no, no, no. I, don't, I just had the idea. I, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Now, there's a story in the Bible about a paralyzed man that his four friends took him for Jesus to heal him. Do you remember that story where they tore open the roof and they let him down? Now, there, these four guys, they didn't have names, but let me give you some names for them, okay? The first one was Mr. Compassion because he cared. He wept. You know, the, most, the reason that most people don't do what they're supposed to do or reach out is because they just don't care. Well, that's their problem. I'll just let them handle it. If your neighbor needs help, you help them. So that was the name of the first guy, was Mr. Compassion. The second guy was Mr. Commitment. He said, let's quit talking about it. Let's do it. Let's just get the guy on the stretcher and take him down. Quit beating around the bush. We need to go out and make something happen for this man. Mr. Confidence said, 
we can do it, guys. I know it's a mile and a half away, but we can carry this, our, our friend that far. You've got to have confidence. And then there was Mr. Creativity. It says, you know what? It looks like there's no room in the house, but we can take him down the roof, and we can make Jesus heal him there. So you've got to have all these components, maybe in you or other people, compassion, commitment, confidence, and creativity. So as we get ready to close, the last three are faithfulness. A faithful man shall abound in blessings. What's faithful mean? It means to be reliable, consistent, unwavering for a purpose. Are you faithful, committed? You know, we have all these events that we're coming, are coming up, and we need faithful people to man stations, to help with the cooking, help with the setup. And so we look for faithful men. And God blesses the people that are faithful. Second uh, in that category is gentleness. Gentleness means being sensitive to someone. Handle with care. And Paul said, I beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Christ was a gentleman. Amen? He didn't force people to accept him. He allowed them to accept him. And the third thing in that category is self-control. That means self-discipline. The ability to control one's emotions, especially in difficult situations. The Bible says the wise in heart, they study how to answer. So you can allow the fruit of the Spirit to come into your life to guide and direct you so that you may have fruit in all that you do. And people say, what a wonderful person they are. You are being controlled by the Holy Spirit. You're gentle. You're kind. You're loving. I just want to be with you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us together today to hear your word, wonderful truths that will change our lives. We thank you, Lord, as we listen to you and allow your Spirit to take control that we will have the fruit that you've promised to us by your Spirit. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and all agreed, said, Amen. Amen. Every heart, I worship you. 
Praise the Lord. We're going to take communion, the Lord's Supper right now, remembering what Jesus did. He was an example for us, that he let the fruit of the Spirit through the Holy Spirit guide and direct his life. So take, take a inventory on your life. Take an examination to see, am I living the way God wants me to live? Am I doing all that he wants me to do? Do I have the right attitude? Do I have the right spirit? Ask him to help you because it's only he that can help you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your precious Holy Spirit coming and taking hold of your people to do great things in their life. Oh, here's the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. As you have the elements, let's just think about what Jesus has done for us. He came down from heaven, walked the dusty streets of Galilee, preached, healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, brought those that were dead to life, gave us the promise that we would be with the Lord forever and ever, washed away all of our sins, said, I'm making you holy and blameless in the sight of the Lord because of what I'm doing as a sacrifice. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. He said, as oft as you do this, as oft as you take this bread and this wine, do it in remembrance of me. The things that I have done for you, remember so that when you're tempted, 
when the devil tries to take you away from the things of God, remember, Christ suffered. Christ put up with temptation. And he gave us that power also to resist temptation. So as you take the bread, symbolizing the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, take it. And I'll say, Father, thank you. Thank you for your son that came and died on the cross, giving his body to, to us so that it could be a sacrifice unto you. And as you drink the cup, symbolizing the blood of Jesus that was shed upon, uh, that was shed. The Bible says, without the remission of sins, there is no, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. In other words, there had to be a blood sacrifice. And Jesus was the perfect sacrifice so that we can forever be with him. We're the only religion that has a promise of eternal life. We know that we know that Christ died on the cross for our sins. Take and drink of the cup. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a presence of the Lord that comes when we take communion. There's healing in your body. There's refreshing in your mind. There's strength that comes in your body. So we thank you, Lord, for your infilling, your indwelling of the precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.